Welcome to Tribcast. This is Grover Norquist, President of Americans for Tax Reform, the guy who asks all candidates to promise never to raise taxes. Well, my promise to you is you're going to enjoy this week's podcast. Here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for New Year's Eve. I am joined by all sorts of Texas Tribune reporters, starting with Jim Malowitz. Howdy. I promise not to raise taxes during this um, this whole <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, we'll see if you can stick to that. Right. You know, it's going to be a pretty rigorous 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Terry Langford is also here. Hello. And Alexira has joined us as well. Hello. I will filibuster any intention to raise taxes by Jim. This might, this <laughs> might last longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we're, we're basically checking in with everyone to see what we should be watching for in 2015. Should we all make it to 2015? Uh, who wants to go first? Alexa? Hello. Yes. Why don't you tell us, sort of, tell us about your beat and what might be some headlines heading our way in this very exciting new year? So I will be covering health care during the legislative session with help from our other reporter, Edgar Walters, who isn't here. Um, and some of the main issues that we'll probably see on our end of things is going to be um, – We'll hear from the end-of-life debate once again whether state law should do a better job to protect patients' rights and patients' families' rights in the eyes of some of the pro-life groups or whether it will sort of maintain the structure around um, decisions about ending life. It's sort of up to doctors to decide what they want to do, and then um, it gives pati- it gives families 10 days to um, consider whether they can find another doctor to, to sort of deal with that treatment, or then they go to an ethics committee that makes sort of a decision. There was movement around it last time to switch the, to extend the time period that families had to do this. Um, and there was big rifts within sort of the pro-life community about whether this went far enough and sort of a division within the Republican ranks about who was voting for what. So it's a complicated issue and we'll see that come back. And are we expecting as much action on the beginning of life side of things you know obviously last session uh got pretty bogged down by abortion debates do we expect that to come back or is that sort of settled after last time well um so the legislative session is starting just a week after the fifth circuit is hearing the last and legal challenges to the last set of abortion regulations that were passed and so um we're anticipating which that means a trip to new orleans for you doesn't it exactly i will be yeah. in new orleans um and so Basically, you know, everything's sort of being legally challenged, either things that were passed in Texas or things that have been passed in other states. And um, we're anticipating it might be sort of calm on that end because everyone's kind of waiting to see um, how these lawsuits will turn out before sort of pursuing even stricter regulations that could be challenged as well. And you also have the potential for the 
consolidation of all of our health agencies? Is that a legislative thing or is that happening with or without them? Um, yes, it is a legislative thing. The Sunset Advisory Committee, which is a panel of lawmakers, voted to sort of move forward with a consolidation of the five health agencies into one. We went from 12 to 5 in 2003, um, and they've endorsed that bid. So now it has to go to the full legislature when it comes back, um, and they have to decide whether they will actually follow this recommendation as laid out by this committee of lawmakers. Um, it includes 54000 employees, a budget worth several billions of dollars. And so I don't think it'll be sort of a quiet passage there. I think there will be sort of some debate in terms of what will be consolidated, what will be streamlined, and how many people might be losing their jobs. So do you think that Jim will have a quieter or a more exciting beat than you? I think... I don't know. How about you tell me, Jim? Oh, man. I was waiting for you to say either one, and then I was going to say them's fighting words, but um, <laughs> alas. Um, but, yeah, um, well, in, in Texas, the energy beat, which which I have, is generally pretty exciting, or at least uh, pretty important since, uh, as you know, there's No lot, matter what Alexa says. There, there's lots of energy in Texas. Okay, um, okay. I've been learning. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually, uh, probably uh, one of the biggest issues mm-hmm. on my beat, and I'll be working a lot with uh, Nina Satija, who covers the environment on is how um, the state will respond to uh, President Obama's uh, clean power plan. That's uh, those are the emissions targets. Um, right, right now, it's a proposal um, uh, to basically set different emissions targets for different states. And Texas has a particularly uh, strict, depending on who who you talk to, um, uh, target where it's supposed to lower its its carbon and um, from power plants and and so forth. And uh, so that rule is supposed to be finalized in June, so near the end of the session. Um, but the state right now is already kind of wringing its hands about um, first how, how much is this going to impact the Texas power sector um, you know are we basically going to have enough generation if coal plants have to retire that kind of thing and how what Texas can do to, to meet this emissions target um, beyond just through the Obama administration which, which will probably happen as well so that's not so, just an Abbott thing um, yeah yeah Abbott. I, I think it's more than a dozen lawsuits he, he had filed against the, the EPA in his in his tenure so um that's probably going to happen still, but um, the uh, assuming that the uh, the plan goes forth with you know minimal changes, there'll probably be some changes to the EPA plan. But um, Texas has to now start thinking about how it's it's going to you know actually try to try to meet this plan because um, we don't know if Texas decides to you know just refuses to comply, that could have you know implications even you know stricter um, EPA regulations. EPA might say you know we've given you a chance to be flexible on this, um, but you've done nothing, so it could say here's what you have to do, and it could be more stringent. So there'll be just lots of kind of re- abstract talk about. Um, what the state needs to do. Uh, the TCEQ and the PUC are kind of in charge of that, but they need direction from lawmakers as well as to um, what it's going to mean. You know, is it going to mean like a, you know, that we enter some sort of cap and trade agreement with other states? Um, that sounds like crazy in Texas, but you know, that's that's one option. Or really, how we're going to do it? Um, so that that's a big issue. Um, if you have any questions on that, you know, let me know. Are we <laughs> are we anticipating a lot of movement to avoid fracking bans in other areas of the um, state? Yes, and, and and that is another um, issue. It's a question on something totally different. Is yeah, it's just not, yeah. But, 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 but also energy. on Jim's speech. Also on yeah. energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. As you may have heard, Denton has uh, become the first Texas city to ban fracking, and there's been a lot of fracking fallout on that. Nice. Um, and uh, you can read all about it at Politico Magazine and Texas <laughs> Tribune. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, um, uh, right now there's two lawsuits that, uh, that have challenged Denton's fracking ban and saying that you're confiscating minerals and you're subverting state power. Um, so so that's going on. But at the same time, there are some couple lawmakers, including uh, Representative uh, uh, King, who have said that they want to put forth legislation to basically ban fracking bans. Um, so that's probably going to be discussed. Although some of the Denton area lawmakers, including uh, Myra Crownover, um, have actually said that you know even though they don't agree with this ban. They had, you know, basically asked Denton voters, don't do this to me. Uh, don't put me in a weird position. Um, they say that they're actually not going to be proposing the le- legislation, um, and again, they're going to let the courts decide. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see if someone like King proposes legisla- legislation um, and, you know, forces them to vote on it, whether they will sort of side with Denton and, and the, the will of, of the people there. Or, right, is it or sort of like band? Yeah. sort of like we like local control, except for when it's not going the way we like it. Kind of, yeah, because, you, right. you know, you can recall lots of times where Texas has said, hey, APA, you know, buzz off. Um, but uh, in this case... Did they really um, say buzz off? Yeah. Um, it's, it's legal language. They, they said Terry. frack off, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in this case, some people who support the ban are trying to draw parallels because saying, hey, you're, you're hypocritical. Why well, Why isn't local control good in Denton? But right. um, Republicans like Christy Craddock at the Railroad Commission, for instance, is, says, you know, we're experts on oil and gas production in Texas. The EPA is not and Denton is not. So, you know, the Railroad Commission is, should be making those decisions. If they don't ban bans, could we see a ban boom? A ban boom. Um, that is one – well, one fear nice. – <laughs> yeah, I, I love the alliteration here. There's one fear. Learned, from, it, learned it from you. Um, there's a lot of rhetoric uh, uh, leading up to the to the vote about uh, a ban boom and, and so forth. Um, so th- the energy industry has sort of said, you know, this this could happen. Uh, one uh, energy executive, uh, uh, Chris Faulkner at Breitling um, Energy in Dallas, uh, his words were, you know, we could see an, a tsunami of exclusion across Texas. Um, that doesn't really seem very likely. I mean, there are some other cities um, right now where there, there's a little bit of um, um, unrest, if you want to say, you know, between uh, um, sort of surface property rights and, and the subsurface rights of the mineral owners. But it seems pretty un- unlikely that, that we'll see another Denton at least soon because a lot led up to that as kind of a complicated case. But there are other cities, like like right now Mansfield, um, not too far away, is one city that's debating uh, to uh, like a pretty strict setback rule, um, basically how many feet between a drill site and schools or businesses, that kind of thing. So that's there's definitely going to be discussion kind of along those lines. I haven't seen a tsunami of exclusion since middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terry, All around. you are not the least, but you are the last of this round. <laughs> So can you give us I'm a little going to be able to get out of here. Can you give us a little criminal justice update? A little criminal justice update. We'll probably see the um a flurry of housekeeping bills that will uh, things to make the courts more streamlined, um more electronic. There's a lot of bills um having to do with record keeping. We'll probably be on the lookout for health care costs, how to curb it in the prisons, um older inmates are costing a lot of money um, for the state, and that's been something that the last sessions have been looking at. Uh, one item is geriatric parole. Another is how do we deal with uh, the number of Hep C prisoners? Um, that there is a new treatment that costs a thousand dollars a pill, 
But do we want to spend that on prisoners? That's something that's been talked about this last year. Or does the state wait until there's cheaper treatment available? Is there, is there a pretty serious uh, hep C rise, a population yes. rise? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of end-stage renal failure also with older inmates. A lot of inmates come in, they're getting health care for the very first time um, and getting treated. Um, you're getting older inmates who come with a lot more problems. So there's going to be a lot of health care, prison cost um, legislation or, or looking at that. Um, there hasn't been anything filed on this, but a lot of people are expecting it. Um, something that codifies the whole lethal injection secrecy. Last May, uh, the Attorney General's office came out and said that it was okay to keep the name of the pharmacy secret that provides lethal injection drugs. We've just had a lower court rule in Travis County that TDCJ has to give up the name. Um, that's going to be appealed. So there's probably going to be somebody who files a bill that will keep it secret because there is no law one way or another about the providers of lethal injection drugs. And in the past, it's been open. Um, other things that are coming up is uh, 17-year-olds, making them juvies for good instead of ruling them as adults, which costs more in the court system hmm. and the criminal justice system. And then our favorite, the Perry indictment. That will continue through 2015. <laughs> it's not really legislative, but it does. Um, it is going to be something to watch um, All right. as we wait for Perry to decide one way or another whether he's going to be running for president. <laughs> Excellent. What a, what a great... Great criminal justice wrap-up for us. Best one I've heard. Who yeah. will have the most exciting time then? Of the three of you? Of the three of us. What do you think, Reeve? I know the answer, but I'm not going to tell you. I know oh. the answer. It's not any of us. It'll be Morgan with <laughs> open carry, right? We'll see. Um, I'm going to let the three of you go, though. So thanks for coming. Thanks, Alexa, Terry, and Jim. Let's bring in our next panel, which includes reporters Morgan Smith. Hello. Aman Bathija. Hi. And John Reynolds. Hello. Thank you guys for coming. As you heard in the previous panel, we are talking about things we're looking for in the coming session. And so who wants to go first with what you are watching out for in 2015? Uh, I'll go first. Oh, Morgan, nice. (laughs) I think there's a lot of energy building behind um, improving early education in Texas. It's something that... Governor-elect Greg Abbott has highlighted as a priority. It's something that a lot of other education groups around the state are saying is important to them. Uh, But I'm not quite yet seeing any kind of agreement behind a central proposal. And I think that there could be a fight over just the details of, you know, what happens with early education be it do we stick with half-day programs, the existing half-day programs, and just make sure we have quality controls in place um, and, you know, improve access to them? Or is there a push to expand across the board to full-day programs, which a lot of education uh, research has shown um, is just one quick way to ensure quality if you're kind of working with a good foundation? Abbott has said that he hopes to get every third grader performing at or above grade level by the time they graduate. Is that uh, anything that can be done this session to make that a reality, or is that just sort of too pie in the sky? Well, I think that, 
you know, that kind of brings up the topic of, um, of funding and school finance. I think that there are um, initiatives at the state level that, you know, have either lost funding in 2011 um, or have just kind of not gotten as much attention um, that could, you know, they could be given a little bit more re- more resources to be able to, um, to reach more students. I think, you know, Abbott has you know, the power as governor to kind of indicate, you know, how he would like that done. Um, But that, again, you know, funding and finances is always such a battle um, in education and um, (laughs) other policy areas. And with the school finance lawsuit kind of looming, um, it's currently on appeal to the Texas Supreme Court. It's um, I think it'll be difficult probably to make any kind of uh, large-scale changes there. Well, there are there ever any uh, disagreements over funding in transportation? Among? Never. never. <laughs> so you wouldn't expect that sort of thing in your beat. <laughs> uh, Greg Abbott has said he wants to, he's going to raise transportation funding by $4 billion a year, which is a really ambitious goal. But already done a big chunk of it, right? Yes, because he is counting uh, the funds from Proposition 1 that uh, voters passed when they, in the same election where they elected him. And that is supposed to bring $1.7 billion in this first year. And so he's counting that towards his $4 billion, he said. So we're on the road to yes. success. Uh, but he stu- even more that two, extra two point three, or however how much he uh, needs is going to be tough to get. One thing he wants to do is dedicate the sales t- – part of the sales tax you already pay when you buy a car. He wants to dedicate that to the highway fund. Right now it goes to general revenue, which means it can go to anything. And uh, so dedicating to the highway fund would kind of guarantee the highway fund getting that money, at least a billion, probably more, depending on how much of the sales tax you want to dedicate. The problem there for um, some lawmakers is that that's an amount that would keep growing as cars get more expensive and more people move to Texas and buy cars. And that just becomes a bigger and bigger pot of money that is automatically going to transportation. And in the future, if you know there's a crisis in some other area and you want to put that money somewhere else, you can't. It's If you dedicate it through the Constitution, which is what Abbott has suggested, then it would be almost impossible to get it out, and it would have to go keep going to transportation. So some lawmakers are concerned about losing that flexibility. Hmm. And then the other thing is he wants to – some of the money that we spend – some of our gas tax money doesn't go to roads, and he wants to end some of those diversions. Uh, how much of that he is actually going to be able to do is kind of hard to say, because if you talk to some members, especially of the Tea Party, they want to end – they want 100 percent of the gas tax to go to roads. That includes about – I want to say $800 million that goes to DPS. Abbott has said he's not counting that as a diversion. So if other lawmakers try to end that diversion and end that, end, end that money to DPS and you know find money for DPS somewhere else and put that gas tax money into roads, they'd have to find money for DPS and they'd have to get over Abbott's objections. I, I guess uh, another question here for the upcoming session with transportation is whether or not there's any increased appetite for fee increases. You know, that was something that Governor Perry very, very explicitly told the lawmakers they could not do that last session with the new change in leadership. Is, does that give wind in the sails of the people who want? Well, Abbott, when he said he wanted to raise $4 billion, he said he was going to do it without raising taxes, fees, or tolls. So um, if he were to do it, it would be, you know, he'd, he'd have to kind of admit that he change his mind. So I'd be surprised if any fee increases go this year. Part of the problem is, you know, Proposition 1 just passed last month. It's sending over a billion dollars to the highway fund. Even though TxDOT's shortfall is still billions of dollars more, there is there is there's probably going to be a problem of just there isn't as much of an appetite to 
do too much for transportation since they just did this big proposition. Mm-hmm. Well, and how does the Tea Party's influence play into the appetite for that or any other funding debates that we might be having, John? Well, uh, the, the Tea Party is, uh, is, is continues to be a rising force in Texas politics, is, and uh, we're, we're coming on six years that the Tea Party was, was, was founded. It was uh, April of 2009, right, that we first saw the, uh, the first uh, Tea Party gatherings around the country in Austin, uh, among other places. Uh, they're, they're, in, they're in an interesting uh, position right now politically in Texas politics. They could reasonably claim to control one chamber in the legislature and the Senate. Uh, they have a presiding officer now who they count as one of their own. Uh, and they've, they've added a, a succession of new members who are aligned with Tea Party principles. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, the, the phrase goes, you know, uh, what does a dog do now that it's caught up with a car? You know, I, I, in, in some ways, this, this could be a very, very interesting session for, for Tea Party leaders who have been outside for so many years and have been clamoring for more influence. Uh, now they have it. And so I, I think you will see uh, Tea Party leaders, not even in the building, but outside the building, who will try and be pushing legislative agendas. And uh, depending on how the leadership responds to them, how inclusive they are in in uh, in, in uh, these proposals, I think that'll go a long way to letting us know how deep the disagreements are between in the Republican Party. Uh, the Senate remains really the X factor here. Uh, you know, the people that I talk to, no, nobody has a good sense as to how the Senate is going to behave. There are so many new uh, faces and new voices. Uh, the ideological shading of the chamber has, has gotten to a point where nobody in recent history remembers a chamber like this, if ever. Do, do you think the uh, the complete phrase is that the, the dog who catches the card then struggles to pass a budget? Something like that, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, and also when, it, when we talk about budget, I mean, it, it, they, they have the opposite problem they had a couple sessions ago where – it's easy to say no when you don't have money. And so the the conventional wisdom is that uh, the hallmark of this budget will be tax relief. It, it, the only question is how much and where is it going to be? Well, and one problem, there, there are two issues that I think are going to be hanging over the budget and allowing some members to argue that we shouldn't spend too much even though we have all this money. There's the school finance lawsuit, so there's going to be the idea of we need to save some money in case we have to come back in a special session to address whatever the judges tell them to do on school finance. And then there's also the issue of the price of oil dropping and the concern that, you know, this rush of billions of dollars we've been getting in the rainy day fund and in our in-state coffers is about to slow down or maybe even stop. And does that change Abbott's uh, calculations on the $4 billion? Uh, it could. Uh, when he, you know, he said $4 billion a year, and he says he's counting the Prop 1 money, but the Prop 1 money is going to be moving up and down constantly. And so it's unclear, you know, does he mean I want to hit $4 billion that first year and then after that we'll see? Or do I want to raise enough money that no matter what happens to the Prop 1 money, no matter how low it gets, we'll still TxDOT will still be getting an extra $4 billion. Yeah, and, and oil prices are the thing that's kind of lurking in the background that everybody's watching, everybody's worried about, but nobody knows if it will actually be a problem. Uh, because directly speaking, on uh, you know, the, uh, the oil production tax is a small portion of the budget, but it's not about the direct, direct impact on the budget revenue system. If you have oil prices catastrophically go down and stay down, the impact on the Texas economy is is outsized because then it starts having impact on things like sales tax numbers because oil exploration uses a lot of big heavy parts that uh, that a lot of sales tax money is paid on those. Uh, so if you have a massive downturn in the amount of exploration, yeah, that has an impact. And considering our budgets are two-year horizons, sometimes it's very difficult to predict how 
how much these dynamic effects in the economy are. So um, at this point, nobody really knows. It, it, it could it could have a huge impact. It might not have a big impact. Well, but it's difficult to guess. You guys have had a great impact on uh, this tripcast. So John, Amon, Morgan, thank you for joining us. And now I will ask you to step aside for the next panel. Thank you. All right, and now we have our final panel. It is reporters Alana Rocha. Say hello. Oh, hello. Nina Satija. Hello. And the Tribune's new D.C. reporter, Abby Livingston. Hello. Welcome. Thank this is, you. I think this is your first Tribcast. This is my very first. This is my maiden Tribcast. Yeah. So <laughs> far, it's going super well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we are just talking about what's going to happen in 2015. Alana, what are you looking out for? Uh, I am been covering veterans issues and mental health, which can often overlap. Um, but I talked to the Texas Veterans Commission as early as um, this week, and they were saying that their big focus is the Hazelwood Act and that being addressed, which is a benefit for veterans to go to college for free. And Veterans and their kids. And that was expanded in what the 81st legislature and the legacy component of that, the fact that their spouses and their kids can can go for free as well as having a big impact on universities' budgets. I think the numbers I have are it was $24.7 million in 2009, and in 2014 it was $169 million of all the universities' budgets. So it's, you know, jumped drastically. So they're looking at different solutions as far as maybe limiting uh, the number of hours or just seeing how they can – handle that and it's a delicate issue politically because you're talking about veterans and right limiting services to veterans is not you know you don't want to be the person to carry that bill right they don't want to balance the budget on a benefit that they're entitled so that's one to watch and then mental health i mean we saw a big boost last session as far as spending and uh this time the lawmakers are all just preparing uh, senator schwartner the senate health and human services uh, committee chairman says it's a top priority for him and i think everybody's focus is just to kind of bring numbers to the session to say you gave us more money we used it wisely but we need more uh, nina what are you looking out for well, uh, you know, the big environment session was really probably last session with the water so bill. Done. So, yeah, I'm really just going to go home, actually. I don't really have to cover the session. Um, no, I, um, you know, people have called uh, what they expect to be the, the 2015 session the groundwater session, which I know sounds very exciting. Um, but, you know, I'm really not sure exactly what groundwater legislation they're going to get passed. Um, groundwater regulation in Texas, as I've written, is extremely complicated and strange. Um, And, you know, it's private property on the one hand, but on the other hand, you can get in troubles for pumping, uh, you know, too much groundwater in some places. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. How they're going to fix that. I'm I'm certain there's going to be lots of bills that are filed, have been filed on how to try and fix that Um, on both sides, you know, affirming it more as private property um, or allowing more regulation on withdrawing groundwater. Um, but there's going to be a lot of opposition on both sides, too. So hard for me to see a lot getting done. Uh, desalination is the big buzzword um, that you hear from from people at the Capitol right now. And I'm sure that there will be fil- there will be bills filed trying to encourage more research into desalination um, and technology, uh, trying to encourage desalination. But again, um, we're talking about getting salty water, which is groundwater. And before they fix groundwater regulation, it's going to be hard to do that with desal. So I'm very optimistic in, in uh, closing about what's going to happen with water legislation. Sounds like you're optimistic that not much will get passed. I think probably. You, you won't know, have to work too hard. <laughs> the other main thing um, to watch for is what 
um, the legislature is going to do, if anything, with some of these EPA regulations that have been announced. And the big one is the Clean Power Plan, which is the EPA's proposal, still a proposal right now, to limit carbon emissions from power plants, um, which would have a huge impact on Texas. Um, Very controversial proposal, not yet a final rule. Um, I've heard... Um, extreme. Uh, I would. I've heard conservatives say, you know, we should actually pass a law in Texas saying we will not follow the clean power plan. I've heard other folks say it might be better to pass a law saying that we can, so that we don't get in trouble with the EPA the way that we have in the past. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see if anything happens with that. But Texas has no problem getting in trouble with the EPA. Not They're at like all. Our favorite uh, people. We love to going sue. to the principal's office. Really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Abby, uh, you will be in D.C. for most of this, I believe, and maybe with an eye on a different capital. And what will you be looking for in 2015, if not in the legislative session here in Texas? Uh, I'll be watching uh, about four things. Um, one is uh, Tuesday, essentially marked the beginning of the presidential race, uh, when Jeb Bush said he was actively considering running for president. Jeb Bush is a native Texan and has very deep ties, especially among the donor base. Uh, and we'll be watching Ted Cruz and Rick Perry and also another native Texan, Rand Paul. So that is on the forefront. Uh, the first year of a presidential race is basically a holding pattern and raising money, and there's kind of a bunch of proxy wars, and then finally, a year later, we'll get to the actual primaries and caucuses. The second thing I'll be watching is how that race affects the delegation. Uh, you'll have a bunch of – you'll have 36 members, although there are some Democrats in there. Uh, all of these Republicans will be figuring out who they're going to endorse, who they're going to campaign for, who they'll position with. And so how do all of these Texans running for president – where are the where are the cleavages in the delegation, and so that's another thing I'll be watching. Uh, I'll also be looking at how members prepare for their own primaries uh, going into 2016. Uh, the Tea Party did not have very much success on the federal level. I know that they did with the state level, but uh, only one incumbent, Ralph Hall, lost in his primary. And so, will the Tea Party get more organized and be better prepared to take on these incumbents? And do they continue to outgame them? And the last thing is just how many committee chairmen are in the Texas uh, delegation. I believe there are six. Uh, I could be off, but uh, Texans are back in power in Congress, and they will wield it. And uh, how that plays out will be very fascinating from my vantage point. Do you have any sense of, obviously, uh, Representative Farenthold has had a rough December. Will that hurt him in the coming year? Do we know, have a sense of that yet? Uh, I think I I do not think it's sometimes these things can happen and everyone forgets. He was very lucky with the timing just before Christmas. Congress is out of session. He can't he's not at the floor where reporters will chase him around the Capitol and ask him uh, for a comment. So that was the good thing for him. Uh, But these are pretty serious accusations against him. And uh, these things go to the House Ethics Committee. And there's also another division called the Office of Congressional Ethics. Uh, I have no doubt someone will refer this to them. Uh, And it will, there may be more to come out, especially as this, uh, uh, you know, is is litigated. And he will obviously counter a vigorous defense, I'm sure. Um, But he was not, he was pretty much a rank and file member of Congress. He was he, you know, he he came and he kept his head down. Um, and 
Uh, it will be interesting. Leadership in the GOP is not keen about things like this. They have spent years and money trying to repair their image with women, and these accusations are sexual harassment, and uh, they don't look good for the Republican Party. And I can just imagine uh, the Democrats will use him as the per- poster boy na- nationwide of the war on women, which is exactly the fight the Republicans don't want to have. Well, I should say, uh, for the stuff I'm covering, which is mostly higher ed stuff, you know, it's just a, including the Hazelwood stuff that, Alana, you mentioned, uh, we're looking at will they get uh, money for campus construction, which they've been trying to get since, oh, you know, the last time they passed a package for that was in 2006. And there are a lot of projects sort of on the back burner at universities waiting to get approved. Um, and then we have this the sort of the, the red meat stuff, and we'll see how much that gets passed. Obviously, there's in-state tuition for undocumented students, which Perry has been a big defender of, and he's on his way out. And there's also campus carry, which is a big fight every year. So we'll look forward to that and everything you guys mentioned. And I think with that, that's the end. We'd like to encourage people to send questions and comments to tribcast at texastribune.org, and we should thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of all of our panelists, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Wouldn't it be great if there was a mayor of a town named Iwana? <laughs> that would be funny. That's that's probably happened. Probably. I'm sure. There are a lot of towns out there.